With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everyone, and welcome into another edition of B-Shape Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, alongside you here on Tuesday, August 24th. Quick apology off the top if the audio sounds different tonight. It's because it is using some different equipment as we get something finalized for the long term. Hopefully that will be coming soon, and then B-Shape Daily will sound better than ever. But for now, let's just roll with it and dive into a discussion of Tuesday night's game between the Cardinals and Tigers. Coming into Tuesday, the Cardinals had not yet beaten the Detroit Tigers in a game this season, and that statement remains true as of the conclusion of Tuesday's game, as the Cardinals fall to Detroit by a score of 4-3, to three, losing for the third time in 2021 to this team, a team that they probably should have a little easier time handling, has not been the case. And yet that wasn't even the most disappointing or upsetting element of tonight's game as Jack Flaherty comes up with another injury, leaves this game in the middle of it prematurely after an un-Jack Flaherty-like performance, given the outing that he had walking a pitcher with the bases loaded in the second inning, giving up back-to-back homers there in the third before leaving the game with no outs at that point. You had to think that something might be going on with Jack Flaherty based on the way he was pitching. And sure enough, that was the case. Shoulder tightness was the designation from the Cardinals. And Jack Flaherty was not in any mood to talk about it at much length after the game. He described himself as feeling frustrated. He said he was pissed multiple times. Understandably so. He missed more than two months with that oblique injury came back and had a couple of really strong starts for St. Louis. The Cardinals really struggled when he was out. You think back to the month of June, where the team just did not have anything reliable in their rotation outside of Jack Flaherty, and it really cost them in the standings to not be able to have that consistency. They fell out of the race. They've recently been trying to climb back into it. They've had the benefit of Flaherty over the last couple of weeks to try and help them toward that end. And then tonight he leaves his start early, didn't perform well, and now questions abound as to whether or not Jack Flaherty will be able to contribute to the Cardinals moving forward the remainder of this season. Mike Schilt did not describe, you know, nobody, whether it was Flaherty or Schilt, and the only other person we talked to on Zoom tonight was Harrison Bader, who didn't really know anything about what Flaherty's status was. Nobody really wanted to delve into any expectations for what could be take place with Jack moving forward. The way Schilt described it, and Flaherty as well, talking about how he felt more uncomfortable as the game went along, and even maybe, you know, a pitcher doesn't want to say, you know, I felt something here or there two days ago, and then I, I pitched anyway, and, and and then fans would come back and say, oh my gosh, why would the Cardinals allow that to happen? I, so I want to preface what I'm about to say by mentioning that I don't think that's what took place here, but 
when you think about the idea that a pitcher going through his off days between starts, he's going to have soreness in general as the season goes along. The way Flaherty described it, I think it was more, you know, he felt some of that general soreness is what he said and figured, you know, this is something I can pitch through. This is this is a kind of soreness that happens throughout a season and pitchers are used to that kind of thing. And so it wasn't like, oh my gosh, the team should have known. How did they not, how did they not stop him? And then as the outing goes along, Jack Flaherty, the competitor that he is, maybe doesn't feel at his best, which again is something that's going to happen time and time again. If you make enough starts at the big league level, of course you're not going to feel your best every time you go out there. And so he felt like maybe it was a little bit of a grind early tried to fight through that, but then you start to see some concerning elements like the velocity going down, the home run he gave up to Robbie Grossman, which was was one that led off the back-to-back, and Miguel Cabrera hit the second one there in the third inning. That fastball was registered by StatCast at 87.7 miles per hour. That is not a Jack Flaherty four-seam fastball velocity. And so there started to be some questions as it went along, which, of course, is why Mike Schilt, Mike Maddox, and the trainer – come out to check on Jack Flaherty. Mike talked about uh, the fact that maybe it was even something he would have liked to have pitched through. But again, that's the competitor in the moment. If there's any concern and he starts telling him, yeah, it's the shoulder, the front part of his shoulder. The Cardinals aren't going to let him pitch through that. They pull him at that point. Remains to be seen what it looks like. Jack Flaherty said he'll probably get checked out. You know, it didn't say MRI, but I assume there will be some imaging and the Cardinals will try to determine from there what the next steps are. It's obviously not an ideal situation. When you think about a guy having the oblique situation that he had earlier in this season, Mike Schultz said he didn't think he was necessarily overly concerned that it's a recurrence or related to the oblique. But when you think about it, the oblique, it's all interconnected. The shoulder, we've heard the lat muscle. That was something that Alex Reyes, if you recall, a couple of years ago had to have surgery on in the year following his Tommy John. He came back for that outing against the Brewers, and was pulled from that outing early. Then it was the latissimus dorsi muscle that needed to be repaired for him. And so you you start to think about shoulder and you hear, oh, that's different. That's different than the oblique injury. While Mike Schultz doesn't seem to, you know, be overly concerned that it's related to that, and his reasoning was, well, you know, maybe your first time coming back from the injury, if you do something and have a flare-up, then you could understand it being related. But Jack has had two quality starts since then and did not – come away from those outings with any pain or any issues. However, it just makes sense that the way it's all interconnected, you go from the oblique into the lat related to the shoulder. You could see the potential for that kind of wearing on you as you go. And then if you're dealing with something in one part of your body as a pitcher, I think it would stand to reason that then you would maybe shift your mechanics in little ways that maybe not, they're not even noticeable, right? But do they happen over time? It seems conceivable. Again, I've never operated as an athlete at this elite competitive level the way Jack Flaherty can do, the way other major league pitchers can do. So I can't really tell you from personal experience, but from the outside looking in, it would stand to reason that it could be related. And and whether it is or not, it's not ideal because you've gone from oblique, which is one thing, to a, a progression you could see in being the shoulder situation. And shoulder is not a word that you want to hear regarding starting pitchers, regarding any pitcher in Major League Baseball. With the elbow, it's like, all right, it's terrible, but it's Tommy John and you're out the year in 16 months, you'll be back and, and potentially better than ever. Shoulders, sometimes those things, you know, you can do what you can to try to make them better. 
But it's just you never want to hear shoulder for a pitcher. And so Cardinals, there's definitely cause for concern tonight to just not really know what the next steps are going to be. Maybe it's just a little bit of soreness, you know, that happens and, and Jack can take 10 to 15 days, take three weeks, you know, come back and, and, and be fine. But you just don't like to see the shoulder situation crop up. We can bring up another example. Miles Michaelis had the forearm situation last year, came back ready to go this spring, or so we thought, and then he started dealing with a shoulder issue. You thought, oh, no, that's not good. Okay, but Michaelis then returned, pitched earlier in May, of course, was removed from that outing with an injury, but that was forearm-related back to the thing they thought they repaired with the flexor tendon surgery last August, I believe, is when he had that about a year ago now. And so it wasn't shoulder-related at that point. Michaelis has since returned, pitched in the one game, remains to be seen how long he'll be healthy if he can continue the remainder of the year for the Cardinals. But just as an example, it's not a death knell just to hear shoulder, but it's certainly not the part of the body that you want to hear about with regard to a pitcher in baseball because sometimes it can go the other way. So too premature really to know a whole lot. I know people get up in arms about, oh, the medical staff is this and that. I don't like it. I don't trust the way. I had a couple of people talk to me on Twitter about this tonight that they didn't trust the terminology. The Cardinals talking about the shoulder and somebody said, I think it might be the oblique again. And the Cardinals are trying to hide that from us because they don't want people to worry. I said, well, that's not really the way this works. Saying shoulder is what would get people to worry. So uh, if they're trying to to hide the truth for uh, to, to inspire less of a reaction from the fan base, that is not the terminology they would have used. So, yeah, the shoulder for Jag Flaherty, hopefully it's not anything long-term, but the Cardinals are going to have to do their due diligence on the medical side and try to figure that out. But other than that, there was a game that was played today and, and definitely some noteworthy news uh, from the contract status that came regarding Yadier Molina for 2022. We'll talk about that a little bit at the end, but let's go ahead and get into some of the details from the actual game itself. Mentioned that Jack didn't have his quintessential start tonight, which is understandable given the the injury situation, but it did put the Cardinals behind the eight ball early as three walks in the second inning, including the one that was a real killer walk with the bases loaded to Casey Mize, the Detroit Tigers starter who was taking his first career plate appearance in the big leagues because he is an AL pitcher, hasn't had an interleague start yet, evidently, in 2021. And so that was his first time stepping in, digging in against a big leaguer. And Jack Flaherty did not have his finest moment. Given the injury, again, we're going to give him a pass on some of this stuff, and you just hope that it's not a long-term concern. But within the context of the game, it did hurt the Cardinals. Gave up a base hit earlier in that frame, allowing the first run, then the walk with the bases loaded to Mize, made it 2 nothing, And then you get into the third inning, the Grossman homer, and then the bomb by Miguel Cabrera. Home run number 501 for the career of Miguel Cabrera, which could have been number 500 had he not hit one a couple of days ago. That would have been noteworthy uh, to see him doing that in Bush Stadium. But nevertheless, it put the Cardinals in a bind at 4 nothing, and it was a hole that ultimately the Cardinals could not dig out of, this coming despite the fact that after Flaherty leaves there in the third with all three outs left to get, the Cardinals' bullpen comes in and does a spectacular job. They go the final seven innings of this game without allowing a run, and you got a parade of different guys that contributed. Uh, just a really quality job, allowing just a total of three hits 
and four walks. So a little bit on the walk side. Kwon Young Kim got a relief appearance tonight. First time he's done that since opening day of 2020. When, if you recall, he was the closer at the time for the Cardinals. Pitched that one game, gave up a couple of runs, somehow held on for the save. But then from there, did not make another relief appearance because they then needed him in the rotation after that. But the rest of the bullpen, everything was pretty solid tonight. You get a total of six strikeouts. Run through some of the names for you. Daniel Postelion, one of the better outings we've seen from him in quite some time. Gives up three base runners, strikes out a couple and two and a third innings for the Cardinals. Andrew Miller comes on to finish his third inning of work to cap off the fifth. And then Kwon Young Kim got an opportunity as well. Two and two-thirds innings, two walks but no hits. Two strikeouts, really efficient from Kwon Young Kim despite the couple of walks that he allowed to the Detroit Tigers. Didn't give up any hits, so I don't know what it's going to end up looking like as far as Jack Flaherty's spot in the rotation. The reason the Cardinals brought KK back as a reliever from the injured list was because they were worried. Well, for one, they had five starters. If they didn't want to move John Lester to the bullpen or release him or whatever, as we talked about in a recent episode, they didn't really have much recourse. Like there's not a whole lot else they could have done. And so, you know, you can also say, well, we're worried about him ramping back up after being on the injured list without a rehab assignment. I don't think that really would have impacted KK. I think it was more the Lester factor that he just he's given you some innings, but he hasn't performed well enough maybe to give you supreme confidence that, that he should be in a rotation spot ahead of Kwon Young Kim. But nevertheless, that's the direction they went with it. But now for him, two and two-thirds innings ended up throwing right around the pitch total that Mike Schultz said they were they were hoping for from him in this game. 46 pitches, 27 strikes. So what does that mean? I mean, clearly he's been a starter throughout the season. If you need him in Jack Flaherty's spot moving forward, whether that's just for one start or for a, a period of time, conceivably you could do that because he's been in that role throughout the season. Would it be a 70-inning start or, or a 70-inning? That would be impressive. A 70-pitch outing, like 60 to 70, if you're trying to work him back up into that role. I don't see why you wouldn't go that route. Another option, though, would be Matthew Libertor, who pitched on the same day. This was Tuesday night for Memphis, so he would be on turn to take that spot from Flaherty if necessary in five days from now. Uh, he, he pitched really well for Memphis. Do the Cardinals want to go that route? Is there a 40-man roster concern? That was kind of some of the discussion in the press box. I don't think there should be a 40-man roster concern because I went through and found 13, 14 names that are either going to be gone from the Cardinals this offseason because they're free agents or guys that you could afford to, to put through waivers and it wouldn't be the end of the world. So to me, there's just no way that I would have too much concern about the 40-man and, and allow that to keep me from Libertor getting the start if I thought Matthew Libertor gave my team, the St. Louis Cardinals, the best chance to win. That's the way I, I feel the front office uh, should probably be looking at it, but we'll wait and see if they want to pull that trigger or not. You do have KK who, uh, based on everything we've heard about KK, he wants to be a starter. He came here expecting to be a starter. The Cardinals didn't put him in that role initially in 2020 for a variety of reasons. Was it the best decision? Probably not, but it was okay because eventually they got him in there. He showed what he could do. He was really good. Flash to this year, there have been injury concerns for him, but when he's been in the rotation, KK has done a really nice job for the Cardinals this season. ERA down to 3.27 on the year after his relief appearance tonight. And so it's pretty clear that, that it's his preference, right? That is where he would prefer to be. 
And so what can the Cardinals do? It seems very easy to slide him back in, make him happy. He's probably your best chance. Would I like to see Libertor? Yeah, I think that would make for an interesting last few weeks of the season if they gave him some leeway and some runway to determine whether or not he could maybe be ready to make that leap into the full-time rotation in 2022 because you are going to potentially need some starters, especially the way injuries are going right now. You just know you can never have too many of them. So remains to be seen. First of all, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. The Cardinals may not need a starter. They may have Jack Flaherty. Who knows? In five days, it could be fine. But generally, when you when you hear these things, he's probably going to miss some time. And that's kind of my expectation, not based on anything we heard in the Zoom post game, but just in general. If you're talking about a shoulder, you're not going to be too eager to run him back out there in five days. So I would guess an injury list stint is uh, on the way for Jack Flaherty. Offensively tonight from the Cardinals, we got to talk about it eventually. So let's get into it now. It wasn't great. Uh, you get the three runs. There was a little bit of a spark there in the eighth inning. A couple of positives we could talk about. It's Harrison Bader having a good at-bat. Almost doubled down the left field line, but the ball was just a few inches foul. And then was able to battle back. Also had a brushback knockdown pitch during this A-B that he probably wasn't too happy about. But drove the ball into right center field. That's a great swing, a quality sign for Bader, who you know has not played as well offensively. Has not hit as well as of late, we talked about the hot start that he got off to after the, uh, I guess it was a second injury list stint. When he came off, he was doing really well. We talked about, we had a full episode talking about Harrison Bader and the contributions that he was making to the team and the idea that just with league average offense, he would be an elite value for the Cardinals as their everyday center fielder. On the season, the numbers for Harrison Bader at this point, 740 OPS. That's a right around the league average value that that I'm basically talking about. But it's come in waves, and the wave recently has not been very good. Batting average below 200 uh, over the course of the last six or eight weeks or whatever it is. Uh, OPS is pretty low as well. Hasn't provided enough power for the Cardinals. I guess I should make sure and double-check that stat if I'm going to give it. Took a look at it. I need to correct myself a little bit on that Harrison Bader. It wasn't six to eight weeks. I knew that didn't sound right, but for the last month or so in the month of August, Bader has not been performing up to his regular expectations. Certainly batting average in the 160s range, slugging percentage the same, and so that's why it's nice to see him get that triple tonight hitting the ball, driving it to the opposite way, was able to kind of do what he does as a catalyst sometimes. It seems like when he's going well, oftentimes the Cardinals find a way to go well with him, and it just hasn't been really going that strong for him as of late. But tonight, when you get into a situation in the eighth inning when they needed a spark, he provides it. They're able to score a couple of runs in that inning, three runs actually, as later on in the inning, Tommy Edmond ends up driving him in. Edmundo Sosa, after walking, ends up getting to second base. After the Edmond hit to the right side of the infield, was good for them to be able to stay out of the double play in that spot. And then it was Dylan Carlson, I believe, getting hit by a pitch. Should mention that Carlson was back in the lineup tonight for the Cardinals, batting third, which is a little bit different from where they left him when he went on the injured list last week. He went on the IL a week ago on Tuesday, And if you recall, that was after he got removed from the game on Thursday in Pittsburgh and then had the weekend in Kansas City where he did not play at all. Cardinals rested him. We're hoping that he would be able to return to the lineup by that Tuesday. But after batting practice on Monday did not go the way they thought it would or hoped it would, and he didn't recover properly, 
That's when they placed him on the IL last week. A week later, he was back in there, as I mentioned, batting third. So kind of continuing the trajectory that Mike Schultz had had things on last couple of days with Arenado batting cleanup where he's comfortable with from his time in Denver. And then Goldschmidt in the two hole. Those guys separated in the middle. Had been Tyler O'Neill in the three hole. They make it be Carlson today. That's after, you know, you got to put him somewhere in the lineup. He had been leadoff. Tommy Edmonds been swinging the bat a little bit letter, uh, better, I should say, in recent days. And so they decide to leave him at leadoff despite the right-handed pitcher. Carlson in the three-hole. Obviously, the offense as a whole was not produ- producing very well tonight, but gets that hit-by-pitch in that eighth inning. And that's when I did what I mentioned, the other element. I said there were two from the eighth inning. Nolan Arenado hasn't been performing up to his expectations as of late, but Another guy who drove the ball the other way, a positive sign out of him, gets the Cardinals a couple more runs there in the eighth inning. Cardinals, though, weren't able to do anything thereafter, which is disappointing because you mount that charge in the eighth. Yadier Molina, who we'll talk about here in a minute, was unable to get it done after coming up in that situation with Arenado as a tying run. He struck out to end the eighth inning. Then in the ninth, Cardinals did not mount a charge at all, going one, two, three, quietly into that good night. Disappointing four to three loss at the hands of the Tigers. And so the Cardinals will get one more crack at this Detroit Tigers team on Wednesday. It's a 12-15 start at Bush Stadium, and they'll be reliant upon John Lester, not only tomorrow, but moving forward in the event of a Jack Flaherty absence prolonged in the rotation don't know if it's going to be KK, whether it's going to be Matthew Libertor, or if Jack Flaherty gets another chance to return at some point. Regardless, the Cardinals are going to need John Lester to step up on Wednesday to try to avoid the season sweep, not only the series sweep at the hand of the Tigers, but the series season sweep as well, I should say, as the Cardinals will have faced them four times, and they, they're at risk of going 0 for 4 against Detroit. And that's a team that's, you know, they're they're – more competitive than we thought they'd be, but they just are not on top of the AL standings. They're not a team that you should be losing that many games to. They're 61 and 66 as of right now. Cardinals have their own problems, though, in the standings, trailing the Milwaukee Brewers by 13 games now after Tuesday's events. The Brewers won on Tuesday. Colton Wong helped make sure of that with another home run, helping them along in the eighth inning, he hit a bomb. And the Reds are only eight and a half behind the Brewers, but that means the Cardinals now, they've got some distance between themselves and the Reds. So there's work to be done for the Cardinals. There's no question about it. And we'll see what they're able to do and, and pull things together. It, offensively, it's just not looking like this team is stacking up the way that they need to to be able to contend and compete for the postseason right now. You know, we've seen at times them be able to go on little miniature runs where things are clicking offensively, but just uh, consistency-wise, and it's been the story all season long. We've talked about it throughout the year. This team just does not put themselves in a position that gives you confidence that they're going to be able to make a run right now. And if you're deficient again in the pitching category, which has been you, you anticipated it being your strength, I just don't know where it's going to come from. Right now, the Cardinals have got to find it from within. And at some point, it just goes back to the old adage uttered by the Cardinals football coach. They are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Right now, 
there won't be much letting the Cardinals baseball team off the hook if they cannot find a way to produce some offense more consistently the rest of the way. That's going to be the answer. We, we know the pitching is going to be good by and large. I think that I feel safe enough at this point to say that with what we've seen from the rotation, getting some guys back healthy. I know Flaherty would be a considerable loss. I still think the pitching can get by and be okay, especially with the the uptick in performance that we've seen from the bullpen. I mean, seven scoreless innings tonight, that kind of goes unnoticed a little bit in this game because you do lose the game, and Jack Flaherty is obviously the headline story there. But the fact of the matter is they do have a better situation in the middle of their bullpen than they did at points throughout the season where you're getting McFarland, Garcia, maybe even a KK and, and a Ponce to be able to come around and help you out. Andrew Miller throws a couple of, of solid batters. That, that's a formula that can really put the Cardinals in good position, but it all boils down to whether or not the offense can get them there. And I think there are reasons to doubt it because you've got a sample size at this point. You know, it's been five months nearly of what this Cardinals offense has been. And, you know, you can evaluate that for what it is. And I think at this point, the Cardinals are, are just an inadequate offensive team. And something about that has to change in order to see a change in this team and get them to the postseason where they want to be too many games back to be able to let it happen just by accident. It's going to have to be intentional turnaround for the Cardinals. And, and again, we've talked about that September schedule. It doesn't get any easier. It in fact gets much more difficult. You get past this pirate series coming up this weekend, a four gamer in Pittsburgh. Then you get the Reds, you get the Brewers and a, a whole slew of other quality teams as you get into September. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen for the Cardinals based on some sort of offensive turnaround, and it'll happen against the odds because, well, the odds are obviously not going to favor you fighting your way back from a deficit as you as you close in on September. But it's going to happen against more capable pitchers, more capable competition that the offense is going to suddenly find itself. I have my doubts. I'm sure Cardinals fans have their doubts, but that's what it'll take for the Cardinals to be able to fight their way back into this thing. Did need to talk about Yadier Molina before we got out of here for this edition of B-Shape Daily. He agrees to terms with the Cardinals for a 2022 contract, $10 million, according to the report by Katie Wu. I know there's going to be a mixed reaction to this. There are plenty of Cardinals fans out there. I've seen them on Twitter who are ready to see Yadi retire. They don't believe he is uh, helping the team. And, you know, the idea that he's going to play – Pretty much whenever he's healthy, 150 games, that's the idea. The reality is he can't play that amount anymore. And Mike Schultz got to understand that for 2022. It's got to be, I'm not going to say multiple off days a week, but there needs to be a day off per week at least at minimum because otherwise you're wasting Andrew Kisner. Maybe Andrew Kisner won't even be around next season based on this. It remains to be seen what happens there. But it's just, I mean, Yachty's numbers offensively, he's got an OPS around 680. That's not good. Uh, it's not all that productive. Yes, the RBIs have been there, 51 RBIs on the season. He's got a batting average of over 330 with runners in scoring position. That is significant, and so I don't think there will ever come a day where Yadier Molina is not a clutch player offensively. But by and large, the production just hasn't been there, and you can't justify the amount of playing time that he that he gets into 2022. All that being said, I think it's a positive for Yadier to come back. I think it's productive and constructive. Uh, John Mozeliak in the press release did refer to it as for a final season. So I think while we haven't heard yet from Yadier Molina on the topic, I think it's safe to assume 22 will be the final year. 
And if Yachty still wants to play, then it's going to get uncomfortable and awkward because I think after that, the Cardinals, especially if the, the, the skills continue to diminish on the path that they are right now, I don't think you're going to be able to, to justify it to him again for a year after that. But that would seem like a natural ending point because we already know Adam Wainwright has anticipated retiring, whether it's after this year or after 2022. It's going to be one of the two. I think the Cardinals have got to find a way to get Wainwright back into the fold. He's been their best pitcher this season as, as far as innings worked. Uh, I know Flaherty's ERA is probably lower. I don't know about after that outing tonight, but I do believe still lower than Adam Wainwright's 3.10. But he's been ace-like in that he's taken the ball every fifth day. He's among the league leaders in innings. Wainwright's looked as good as he has this year. You know, you can look back over five, six years and, and say, yeah, he hasn't looked this good in any of them. And so he's been tremendous. Contractually, whatever he wants to get it done is what you need. If it's a $15 million guaranteed deal, uh, to me, the Cardinals should make the deal because you, you lose Colton Wong for less than that this offseason. You see how that's impacted the team. If Wainwright wants to come back and is willing to return for one more season, go out in a, in a blaze of glory with Yachty, I think you got to make sure that money is not a reason that it doesn't happen. They've given him some pretty, you know, I should say Wainwright has given the team some sweetheart deals the last couple of years, given the way he's performed. It's been all incentive-based. You've seen enough from him to know it doesn't need to be incentive-based for 2022. Get him his money. Make sure he's around for one more year. That way, when you're you're not in the throes of COVID maybe as much anymore, you can have a nice send-off the way I think both these players deserve. Yachty has built up the equity to get to go out on his own terms within reason. And I think Adam Wainwright absolutely has done the same. And if they both come back next year, you'll get even higher on that all-time battery list. I don't know exactly how far they can get. I believe they could get to number two. It uh, could be tricky to get to number one uh, by 2022. But they're very close to that 300th start. I believe two more, and they'll be there. And so that'll be a momentous occasion. And listen, if, if you're the Cardinals and you haven't been as productive and haven't been as competitive as you hoped you would be this season – a lot of that's going to fall on the front office and, and ownership to to step up and fix that in in this winter, whether that's with Wainwright or without him. You're going to have some more money to spend based off some contracts coming off the books. Cardinals, I, I believe the ownership kind of owes it to the organization's fans to say, yeah, we're going to spend a little differently. We're going to try to spend effectively. We'll make the trades we need to make. We'll give it a push for 22 because you got Nolan Arenado. No, I don't think he's opting out, but at the same time, you have to – feel some sense of urgency, I believe, for 22 because they've been trending in the wrong direction for several years now. I know you had the 2019 NLCS, and that was a, a very good season and an even better finish to that season. But at some point, I think you do need to to try to turn the trajectory of the team. And, and last year, 2020, you make the playoffs. Yes, I believe technically they would have been in even without the expanded postseason but the showing against the Padres wasn't very good. And so you're just kind of seeing a, a team in a little bit of a malaise, I would say, in, in recent years. I don't want to discount a, an NLCS appearance because it is a big deal. But offensively, it's been kind of the same old, same old, even going back into the Matheny era, and they haven't really changed it. They cleaned up the defense. They're now, you know, in 2020 and last year, and I believe 19 was a positive for that as well, obviously. One of the best defensive teams in the National League. I think that's carried over into the season. You'll probably see Tyler O'Neill deserving of another gold glove nod. Bader should should merit consideration. Uh, Goldschmidt, absolutely, and Arenado should be a shoe-in for the award, in my opinion. And so you've got 
defenders that are premium at multiple spots. So that hasn't been a concern. The pitching, you know, you've had your issues. The, the base loaded walks, the hit batters, the walks in general have been an issue this season. It boils down to the offense and the Cardinals. You cannot continue to think the status quo is good enough. I like Paul DeYoung as a player, but I don't know if you can, can, can just continue with DeYoung at short. Edmund, you know, I think Edmund's a good contributor. If he's your super sub, that's that's where he needs to be on the roster probably. And we'll talk a lot more about this as we get into the offseason. But if you go into 22 with your shortstop, Paul DeYoung, your second baseman, Tommy Edmund, your outfield the exact same, and you don't add a DH, and you just assume that Nolan Gorman can walk into a, to an everyday role and that can be enough, I think I think you're making mistakes across the board. You've got to add, I believe, two impactful bats. A shortstop is going to be out there on the market. And I should say a middle infielder doesn't have to be a shortstop, but that's who's out there. And so maybe you then could consider moving Paul DeYoung. Uh, his contract is, is going to be not all that, you know, prohibitive, but you could move him to second base if you wanted to, if you want him to be around and then kind of mix and match him with Tommy Edmond, I think that could be something that would make sense with the DH go out and get the best hitter available that you can get on a value. And don't worry about where he plays defensively. Cardinals have been too caught up in the puzzle pieces having to fit as you enter a season. And then you get into the season and they shake up the box and they sprawl it all out on the floor and say, good luck. I mean, that's what happens with injuries and with underperformance and with things that you don't expect. Naturally, those things are going to take place. So I think John Mosellock has got to be a little bit more flexible with the willingness to build a roster more similar to the Dodgers and Padres teams that they get good talent, they get good hitters. They don't have to worry about, you know, is this guy going to be good enough for an everyday role? Just get good players that can hit the baseball and and figure it out when you get into the season. Trust that your manager is going to be able to do that. Uh, he, you know, it's a guy John Mozeliak wanted, hired Mike Schilt. Fans are upset with Mike Schilt's performance this year. I've seen some of that. I don't agree with it, really. I think it's the roster construction that's, that's more the issue this season. And so construct a better roster, and then next year you can look at it and say, all right, Let's evaluate the manager and see what he can do with what we've given him. I just don't think Mike Schultz has been given enough tools to succeed this season. Uh, yes, it, it's the organization that that can determine and, and the front office that can determine what some of these players are going to be. Uh, for my money, it just hasn't been there so far this season. And again, there's time for the Cardinals to turn that around. But if they don't do it, you can't go into 22 expecting different results with the same group. And so there will need to be changes. So, a lot of that's going to be discussion for the offseason. We're going to still see in the present day what the Cardinals can do over the last few weeks of the campaign, and that's going to begin on, on Wednesday with John Lester. We'll see how he fares against the Detroit Tigers, the last chance to not get swept on the season by Detroit. That's going to do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Do appreciate you guys, as always, for listening to the show. Do want to mention that podcast may be a little bit more sporadic over the coming days, not so much because of the laptop thing, but because – I've got a good friend. My best man, actually, for my wedding will be in town visiting. Haven't seen him uh, since pre-COVID. We were supposed to go to, to Vegas for a March Madness trip, actually, uh, March of 2020. That obviously didn't happen and haven't seen him since. So really excited about that. But uh, what that means for, for your guys' uh, purposes is that you may not hear as much from me in the next five or so days. I'll obviously still be following along with the Cardinals and the series in Pittsburgh. You can keep up with uh, my thoughts at Shaper 12 on Twitter as always, but podcasts may be a little bit sporadic and we'll, we'll try to get an episode or two out, but just not sure how it's going to go. Uh, have some other commitments 
before the weekend and the Cardinals are on the road. So that means my, my role does change a little bit, but I've tried my best to get the podcast out this season and uh, we'll continue to do that as well. Just may not be so much uh, this weekend, but appreciate you guys. As always, make sure to subscribe to be shaped daily, uh, whether it's Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts. And that way when the episodes do drop, you won't have to wonder when they're coming. They'll be there for you. When you wake up, make sure to subscribe, hit the, uh, hit the button. So you get the notifications. You'll be good to go. But I appreciate you guys genuinely, sincerely, as always, we're sticking with the show. We'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.